Hello, this is Pikepaw, that Canadian, and you're listening to We're Not Dead, ya hosers. We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Hello, and welcome to We're Not Dead, the official community podcast of We're Alive. I am your host for this week, Nick Voodoo, and I am joined by It's All Goody. Yep, yep. Hooray! Hooray, yep, yep. Um, uh, I will get to your We're Alive experience uh, shortly and how you got to be here and love this podcast and all the other stuff. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, yes, of course. The, the the usual dressing down we give every person that walks onto this podcast. Uh, but first, there's a couple of uh, housekeeping things we have to take care of and get out of the way. Number one, uh, we apologize for not getting uh, We're Not Dead number 35 out, which is what this podcast number is, uh, in any sort of timely manner, um, but uh, through sheer happen- happenstance, uh, lots of things sort of collided together in the world and made it so it was not possible to record this uh, until now. Um, Britt's been sick. I had a death in the family. Just things weren't going well. So we do Ugh, apologize. Just bad things all around. I know. You, you you would figure that Britt would have the common decency not to lick a third grader and get strep throat. Ugh. <sighs> totally. The nerve. The nerve. <laughs> um, so we... Uh, we do obviously apologize that we have been tardy in getting this out to you. We know we missed a very important chapter part, um, and Goody and I are going to cover that. Uh, not fully in the in-depth way that we usually do for every lo- real in-time podcast, but we are going to cover over because a lot of shit went down. It's got to get covered, so we're going to talk about it. Um, number two, the Parsec Awards. I have come around once again this time of year, and we're live is once again nominated. So... Uh, if you have an idea of what from season three you've heard so far should be used as the uh, awards nomination sample, go to zombiepodcast.com slash forum, go to top news, find the thread about the Parsec Awards, and you can vote for your favorite chapter part uh, to submit to uh, the Parsec Awards people so they can hear us and give us an award because We're Live is awesome. So yeah, there's that. Goody, how long have you been listening to We're Live? How'd you get into it? Tell us your story. How did you come to We're Live? All right. Well, I was at school in Boston uh, last year, and that's only relevant because I had uh, about a half hour walk to to my school from where I used to live. It's yeah, so, not that bad of a walk. No, but it's long enough that you look for something to listen to. So that's true. When I spread, I used to only listen. You know, I'm I'm gonna cut to the chase and then give you the long story after. But you know, I'm one of those IGN kids who learned from Greg Miller. Oh, uh, son of a but, bitch! Him again. God damn it. I know, it. right? Ugh, damn it. it starts, he starts We're Not Dead. He's he's in the podcast himself and he's recruiting everybody everywhere. Yeah, we'll 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 get to the we'll we'll get to the hosts of this little podcast being on the actual We're Alive show shortly. That's right. We'll get uh, to that. But uh so yeah, so I used to walk a half hour to class there and back every day. So that's when I sort of expanded past listening to uh IGN Game Scoop, etc., looking for new podcasts and when Greg Miller, you know, mentions that there's a podcast that he really likes and you like listening to him and you're looking for more things to fill time, you you follow through and, and look into that. So I listened to it and became addicted to it within, I think, you know, the first couple episodes. And that was in uh, February of last year. And I don't remember the exact time frame, but if I had to, you know, wager a guess on about how long it took me to power through everything that was out, I would say it was in within two weeks, if not within a week. Uh, and then you know, there's the there's the dread that everybody talks about, where you get to start waiting for the new week, episodes. The week to week dread, the withdrawal, as it were. Yes. Uh, so you know that went down really well. Obviously, you know I got the shakes and whatnot. But uh, yeah, so I guess I started listening about a year ago, and uh, you know, as always, it's recruited from from Greg Miller. Very cool. Uh, favorite character? Who who do you like? Who do you hate? Who do you love to hate? Who would you like to take into a dark alley and beat with a stick? Uh, my favorite character, I have to say Riley. I really like Riley's character, even though, you know, the whole being a drunken mess all the time uh, recently <laughs> oh, hasn't played it's, out too well for her. all the time. It's just every time since season one that we've seen her. It's not, yeah, it's not all the time. It's just any time that she has any time to herself. 
but no, I, I don't know. I like her as a character. I like the way that she sort of works aside from the whole alcoholism thing, which hopefully will get sorted out at least reasonably well uh, soon. Hope so. But I don't know. I like her. I've always kind of like in, uh, you know, fictional works, I've always liked the character that likes to use the, the bow versus, you know, the, the long sword or in this case, mm-hmm. you know, the rifles. Uh, so I don't know. I, I kind of like her character the most. And for the people that I hate, I've never been a huge fan of Angel, but that might be because I'm good fans with Wraith. So I like to give him <laughs> crap whenever I can. Uh, as I know, I know that you also enjoy doing that quite a bit. So uh, I, it's I've my favorite hobby. <laughs> I've laid off of him recently because of you, but that's fine. As long as somebody's giving him crap. Uh, and obviously... I like who Datu's become, as I've heard you mention on the previous podcast, but uh, ultimately I still hate the kind of like jumble of words that he tends to throw out instead of just speaking a coherent sentence. So that's always kind of uh, bugged me as well. But I, I don't know. I guess I guess those would be my two two characters that I don't like very much. All right. He had another one of those little jumbles in 29.1, really, really brief ones where he threw in, I think, a little bit of... Uh... Uh, foreign language into his. Oh, I'm never gonna get to understand these words. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think sure. he threw. I think he threw just a touch of it in there too. So I think I understand. I understand what you're talking about. And I guess going along that line, I'd also have to say that I'm not a huge fan of Skittles, although I really like his character. But just you know, sometimes it's hard to listen to these people talk because they give them. Casey likes to give them so much personality and and depth that it's, you know, somebody's got to have that accent that just bugs you when you listen to it. So I guess, you know, Skittles as well, but, you know, you do what you can, I guess. You, you're you disinvited from this podcast. You cannot <laughs> say bad things about Skittles, Skunkin', Dunkin', no. Bad. Bad. I did, oh, I, I, I meant to mention, I did enjoy your uh, nickname for him. Skunkin'. 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 All right. Very cool. Uh, so, welcome. Um, you've listened, obviously, so you know the deal. Of course. Uh, when we get to the actual chapter review, interrupt me whenever you feel like it. Again, I don't have a full chapter 28.3 review. Um, I did re-listen to it, so we're going to hit just some of the finer points of what happened in 28.3, because again, a lot of really important stuff that happened in there, and I'm really sorry that we didn't get uh, to this in a timely manner. Um, and again, <laughs> there was way too much going on in my life that I could not actually even focus on uh, the story. I had to listen to it like six times because I just could not process no, no, no don't don't beat yourself up it's only been it's only been two weeks since you since you could have recorded it that's that's no time at all don't worry about it. yeah you're definitely disinvited this podcast is over <laughs> thanks for listening back. everyone good night and goody <laughs> is to blame all right so obviously 28.3 this is the mission into ground zero this is what everyone's been waiting for because we want to know what ground zero looks like and apparently ground zero looks like a wasteland it's, it's really of, what it comes down to it's full of cracks full of cracks but then again, it was Inglewood, so that was to be expected. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, all the trees are dead. There are dead bodies everywhere, blood stains. And the dead bodies are significant because we all know that the zombies uh, recollect the bodies and take them elsewhere. So not only is it a uh, zombie-free zone, it is zombie-free zone to the point that they haven't come back to collect food. So the bodies are rotting, and nothing apparently can survive. Um, there's the haze that is emanating everywhere in the area, which is probably what is making it hard for everyone to breathe. Um, And, of course, again, the cracks, which Victor described as six inches long, which is about the length of a dollar bill, and uh, that apparently go on forever and ever and ever. Amen. Um, Then, of course, there's the escape from Ground Zero, where Victor's uh, air tank uh, goes south very fast, faster than it was probably supposed to. It was leaking, if I I remember correctly. (laughs) It was leaking or it was sabotaged. That's one of the debatable points. That I guess, um, Yeah, I, I like to think that it was leaking only because I want CJ and Victor to have a little love affair. But maybe she tried to I kill can, him. That could happen too. I, I enjoy that. And when, when, when last we spoke on this podcast, uh, I did mention that you know CJ is trying to gain um, knowledge. And if she happens to kill two people that try to choke her the fuck out when they first met, so be it. Um Looks like Victor was the guinea pig on that end, if that is definitely the case. And there are members on the forum that um, really took CJ to task for um, the potential of setting up Saul and Victor in that manner. Um, It is a real possibility. I would say it is a very, very definite possibility, especially when you re-listen to um, her reaction 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's something that hasn't crossed my mind until just now. And I think, if I recall, she kind of does have a sort of nonchalant way of answering them. She's like, oh, I checked it, right? So yeah, it's, it, oh, it, it does, I che- it does I checked sort of it. make sense that maybe she did sabotage it. Yeah, and I, th- I, I mean, if she wanted to truly, truly sabotage it and check it, you'd think it would be sabotage Saul's because she's the one, that's who she thinks is going to be able to survive in there anyway, or is different because of the pick line and the antibodies and whatever. So you'd think that that would be where she would go, but she chooses Victor instead. Well, I don't um, know. Maybe she wanted to take out the stronger one because she thought she could take him out. I, she could have just killed them both, honestly. But... Yeah, she. <laughs> that should have just been methane. Just, just knock them out. Just straight, just straight methane. Methane, uh, yeah. And then they light a cigarette and their insides blow up. Um, I don't think that would actually work, but that's okay. So some posts from the forum, um, from the 23 discussion thread. Um, CJ, uh, Witch Doctor says, CJ has a secret lair, a weapon stash galore. 1960s woman in charge of a secret organization hell-bent on world domination and fighting evildoers' voice. Had an army of henchmen, mad doctor-like intelligence, and secrets, secrets, secrets. And yes, the secrets part is definitely a huge part of her, but now I'm not so sure that the secrets are going to stay. I'm pretty sure, by the way, that um, we left that part of the story. It sounds like they are going to actually start opening up to each other because Saul and Victor really did not appreciate the situation they were put in because of her. Yeah. So. And it seems like she was, you know, I don't know. If she's acting, you know, she's acting. But it seemed kind of legit, right? She she was like, welcome to, uh, what was it? Dunbar Hawthorne? Apartments. Dunbar yeah, and she's like, welcome, and then she, you know, brings him back in. So it seems like she's open to it, although, you know, if she is planning on killing them, I guess it wouldn't really matter if she told them where she lived. Yeah, I... I it's hard to tell at this point. Yeah, I'm going... I'm leaning more myself towards the fact that she is now readily accepting of the fact that they are now a part of her life. Um, now that they've passed this, they've done this, like, she knew what could potentially happen to them, and they survived. So it's maybe like a trial by fire, yeah. something like that. Uh, Leah also said, actually, I'm starting to think CJ right now is right about Saul's medicine and the blood. It would make sense for Tanya to be on the IV as well. Easy to cover up underneath some clothes. Also, because this is, might jumpstart some experiments with antibodies and Ground Zero. Although I understand Vicky freaking out, I still think it's strange he's so suspicious of Saul. Maybe Tanya experimented on some people at the colony, people Victor didn't trust. Maybe he's seen this before. He was pretty sure Saul would be able to breathe the entire way. Yeah, maybe. I don't like. I it's it's hard to tell, right? Because they're related, so you never know if it's this IV. The thing that kind of jumped out to me was that it's you know common misdirection to kind of lead and say they think it's the IV, and then it's you know genetically they're just immune to it for one reason or another. That said, Casey's good at planting something that's small enough, like what I just brought up, to make you think that that is the misdirection and that it's something completely different, right? So there's not really any direction to take it that that you can say definitely it's this or that. But right now I'm leaning towards it's it's a genetic thing versus uh, the IV. I'm personally leaning towards the IV because if it was a genetic thing, Genetic thing is really, really cool and trendy and topical because, you know, like that's how Spider Man got rebooted in, you know, 2000 was it was a genetically altered spider, not an irradiated spider. Right. You know, things, things like that. So genetics is like on the cutting edge of story it is, Yeah, it is a common sort of thing to use in zombie lore too to be like, there are just some people who are immune, right? Like, I am legend. And that wasn't zombies, that was vampires, but it's yeah. the same idea. So I don't know. Casey seems to like to forge his own path, so it may not be that either. But right, which is why I would think that it being genetics is a little too trendy, a little too easy and modern. Maybe is the word I'm looking for, but I yeah. don't think that's actually right. But so there's that idea. Um, as for Victor freaking out, which is something we didn't cover, Victor freaks the hell out not because he almost died, but because Saul is able to breathe and he freaks out and says, "What are you?" <laughs> I feel like maybe that would freak me out too more too, though. You know, to be like, wow, this guy can't turn into a zombie or at least can't suffocate from zombie fumes or whatever the hell it is versus like I almost died because then you then, you know, like, oh, the the line was broken, whatever. Yeah, it's just uh, man, that was just weird that I do agree. That was kind of a weird reaction for me, too, that Victor uh, just immediately went accusatory on it. And he and not only that, but he held it. You know what I mean? Like he he exposed yeah. like the, the dirty inner workings of Tower Laundry in front of the CJ person that just sent them off to, you know, potentially die. And, you know, she checked the equipment and checked it twice. I would have enjoyed, now that I'm thinking about it, I would have enjoyed if they hadn't said anything to her. 
like been like, yeah, it went fine. And then, because then there would have been conflict if she had known that the line was broken. But yeah. at the same time, it would have been like, they would have had something to like keep from her to like use as leverage later in case she's been lying about it. You know, that'd be kind of a neat plot twist. It would be, but then at the same time, then it's, it's now, it, there's the part that we're Saul, and I can, I'm pretty sure it's Saul that said, you know, no more lies, right? Yeah, no more lies. This is it. This is That's straight true. up legit. So I think that them exposing that is, um, is, is healthy for their overall relationship as right. folks. Um, so that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. There's a lot of people talking about, uh, what caused the cracks, which went everywhere from, uh, Osiris saying super burrito farts. It very is, well could have been super burrito farts. That it was, is, you know, the what, first it is thing Cal that came to my mind when I, when I heard them. It's California. You have to admit it's a possibility. Oh, a super um, possibility. Maybe uh, the most likely of all of them. Quite possibly. <laughs> well, uh, there is the flying squid. Oh, that's true. Or or spaghetti monster, for that matter. Or the flying spaghetti monster, and you have been blessed by his newly appendage. Yeah, I um, mean, or the ground was, and you know, hence the, hence the rips in the, in the pavement. Uh, there's been talk of mole people. <laughs> there's been talk of ancient buried aliens, a la uh, what was it, Crystal Skull, uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, that sort of, of course, thing. Of course, of course. Because, uh, you know, that's always awesome. Um, and then there's something like uh, just the idea that it was just something naturally occurring in the earth and it just happened to be exposed when something allowed the haze or whatever to uh, jump up to the surface, which, of course, brings up the question is how did it happen worldwide? If it indeed happened worldwide. Remember, we just aliens. had the one. Get back to the aliens. <laughs> yes, it was the aliens. They blew up a nuclear, some, uh, some, some sort of bomb in the atmosphere and it just trickle down to everyone in you the You never world. know. Maybe they're working in cahoots with the spaghetti monster. And the mole people. And the mole people, yeah. And maybe they planted the giant burritos that made people fart cracks in the ground, too. You never know. Casey, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. We just exposed how the zombie apocalypse happened in your story. I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to have to rewrite it now. I'm very, I'm very, very sorry. You know, and we talked about it before the podcast, and we were like, we're not going to expose this. And then it just happened naturally Man, anyway. Just naturally in conversation. These things happen. I'm sorry, Casey. Man, we're fired. Okay. So 29-1 is the new chapter part, and it is Beyond Our Walls is the title. I got called over the barracks around 1300. Private Carl Thomas was having trouble taking in one of the survivors for the checkup. We had to literally drag her over to the Weed Medical Center. Let go of me! No! Please! Let me go! Bring her in here! No! I'm trying! No, no, hey, please, we need no, help no. over here! Come in! Puck, take her legs. Sedate her? The chapter begins with Puck narrating, which is interesting in and of itself. Tanya is still flipping her shit about the exam. Some dumb bitch nurse asks her what the fuck is wrong with her and she, should they sedate her. Puck makes the call to strap her down and sedate her. Before Tanya goes out, she says you don't understand. Puck was injured in the flight and Blondie Honer slut offers ice, but she doesn't want it. Uh, nurse Skanky Pants says she'll take uh, be in Tanya's exam while she's out. By the way, if you're previously unaware, Brittany Brombacher has appeared as the nurse in this Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the host of We're Not Dead, or one of, I should say, the hosts of We're Not Dead, uh, has her first appearance in We're, We're Alive. Yeah. So uh, Michael arrives in his traditional pissy Mikey manner. Uh, they being Puck and G.I. Joe, a.k.a. Carl, who actually was the guy that narf called me on last week it was actually carl I don't really, let... i'm sorry i don't sorry? really know like i would have liked to know how he kind of got out of the, the the building that they were holding him in he just kind of like michael yeah he just kind of like respawned in in the hospital well i guess he got killed in there and then he just respawned in the hospital and decided to snipe everyone from behind i mean that no, must it, what happened. he he did say that he went up to the um I mean, yeah, it was, to it was the like thrown... guards and said there was an emergency and they let him go. Yeah. That's but that's the, yeah, well, it. they were there, weren't they? Didn't they kind of like see Tanya do her whole like, no, you'll never take me alive thing? Yeah, probably. But um, still, so, I don't know how he got you know, out of that. Well, the only thing I can think of is that Michael probably outranks every person that was guarding him. He, and yeah, they he know does. that he's a sergeant. So by him being a sergeant, they're more probably and they know it's an active military base. A sergeant wants to do something, 
They're going to let him do it. I guess that makes sense, yeah. That's the only that's the only reason I can think of, which is why Kimmet loses his mind in just a second. Hey, hey, I said stop, right? You're going to make me call the MPs? Oh, shit, Puck, Colonel Kimmet's back. I'm going in there. Oh, no, you're not. Who let him out of the barracks? I, I don't know, sir. Find out. Yes, sir, I'm on it. Look, I told the guard it was an emergency, and it is. It doesn't look like it to me. Michael claims that he's going into into see Tanya, but the timely arrival of Colonel Kimmet prevents that. Kimmet asks Carl to find out who let Michael out. Michael says he told the guard it was an emergency, which we just covered. Uh, Kimmet said there isn't one. He asks if this is the sergeant, and Puck confirms. He asks where the others are, and Michael says back in the barracks because the guards wouldn't let them go. Kimmet is happy that the guards are complete idiots. Puck gets a smart mouth with Michael, and the colonel tells him to watch it as Michael outranks him. Michael was uh, previously unaware his rank meant anything, but Kimmet insists that it does, and this goes both ways. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, call me sir. I was under the impression my rank meant nothing here. Well, it does. And it goes both ways, especially when addressing an officer. This is all great, sir, but I want to make sure Tanya's okay. Wait here. Michael still doesn't get the point and continues on. No, he he did say this, sir. He just put it with a snide Michael yeah, and attitude. Then, and then the next line that he has, he forgets to mention it again. You know what? I, I, I'm pretty sure I I do, at least, and Kimmett does definitely give him a bit of leeway because he obviously has been outside of the structure for just a little bit of time. It's true. Uh, Michael again insists on Tanya, uh, getting a Tanya update. Kimmett checks on her with nurse bitch skank ho slut pants who says physically she appears to be fine and she is but she isn't sure about her mentally how's she doing physically in good shape from what i can tell so far mentally who knows she's fine you should have been here a few minutes ago Colonel. and that's the end of that little character for now Brittany, I love you, and I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. I'm sure Michael she'll Watson... be back on that. That's oh, dude, you know what's going to happen? That's probably why she she lied. She wasn't sick. She was just busy recording for Casey instead of recording We're Not Dead. I bet that's what happened. That skanky hoe bitch. No, that's, that's how she blew her voice out with struck throat. <laughs> yep. Uh, Michael, Michael wants to know what will happen to Tanya. What are you going to do with her? We take care of our own. We'll make sure she gets the right treatment. Kimmet says that, we, that they take care of their own and she will receive treatment. Kimmet says lots of people end up stressed, and with where uh, the tower people were from, he's surprised that only two of them ended up in the weed. Uh, in the weed, Michael asks uh, for a Riley update, and Puck says she's in for observation. Left for whatever she's marked as on the observation. You couldn't have come by and told us that we've been sitting there doing nothing for days. Well, they weren't supposed to. Not until you came back, right? Well, you're back. So now what? I'm gonna let that one slide. But you keep yourself in check, Sergeant. This is still an active duty post. Sir, I had no idea that it was. That's how little they told me. That they were doing their job. Michael is mad that no one told him. He came and says they were not supposed to. Uh, Michael pops two with the colonel and is warned to watch it because Erwin is an active duty post, but Michael had no idea. Kimmett wants to catch Michael up, but Michael needs to be ID'd first. Puck tries to verify it. Kimmett subtly tests um, uh, Michael on his MOS. Kimmett tells Puck to get Michael some camos and that he's being reassigned to his command staff. Michael will be in charge of cross-training others in intelligence. Puck gets assigned to Michael, much to his chagrin, and Michael's. Michael is hesitant, and Kimmett asks him what did he expect when he came to an active military base during a conflict. Kimmett says he'll be uh, briefed once he settles in. Kimmett leaves, and Puck asks if Michael is happy now. Michael says no. Puck says, okay, fine, we're even. Are there any other soldiers that came back with you still in the barracks? Well, no, I'm the only one, but I didn't agree to do anything. And because of my position, you don't have to. I'll have one of the Limas write up some new orders. In the meantime, Puck here will be assigned underneath you. But I... Wait, hold on, sir. I'm prior active duty. Well, that's why I want you to cross-train under him. I don't think I can do that. You're a soldier, aren't you? Well, yes, And now but... you'll fall back in line. You came to an active duty base during a conflict. What'd you expect would happen? I... I don't know. Uh, Michael goes back to the barracks where the rest of the gang starts to ask about Tanya and Riley when they notice the camels Michael is holding. He tells them he's been called to active duty. Kelly wonders if they can do that, and Michael says apparently so. Datu is hopeful now that they'll finally get some answers when G.I. Joe, Carl, uh, enters to take the rest of them for their physicals. This might not be so bad. 
We've got someone in the know. Well, it's not going to be that simple. I'll just be a minute. What? No, I'm here to take everyone else over to Weed for checkups. Seriously? This has to happen first. First? Then what comes second? Once you get cleared, you get your itineraries. Well, I'm ready. Yeah, of course you are. Wait, you checked Sergeant Cross already, right? Nope, he's still on the list. Alright, change your plans, Michael. You can grab your ACUs on over there, grab whatever else you need, and bring it with you. ACUs? That's what we're wearing. It's the name for the uniforms. All these terms. It'll be a while before I learn them. Yeah, that might not be necessary. Datu gets confused by the term ACU and says it'll take a while to learn. Puck throws out an ominous, that might not be necessary. Michael wonders why. Puck says clearance first, everything else after. He says uh, they can expect the rest of the tower folks can expect Michael back by 8 p.m. Michael gets checked out and everything was as expected, except putting the uniform back on that he no likey that. Because he was now a soldier again, he could not be himself. Puck and Michael walk to the command center, starting to get a feel for each other. Puck first makes sure Michael was cleared and is then relieved because he hates having to watch what he has to, what he can say and cannot say. And he just opens up. He just goes for it. Like, the second he knows that he's clear, he just... Uh, like, it, it, it was kind of surprising, I feel like. I, I'm not so, so sure it was surprising because it's not... I don't know. I, it's a little... I, I guess I, a little surprising. I understand it. Like I, like, I know I get it, but it just seems out of place almost like he's such a you know like a hard ass about not saying anything real and then he's i feel like he's a hard ass about following orders and his orders are don't let new people know any information but now that he's been approved and he knows that he's going he already outranks him he knows he's going to be a part of the command structure i feel like he just loosens up to the point that like okay you're gonna find this all out anyway so hell i might as well just tell you and that's not an order. Yeah, I agree i think i'm gonna like him as a character too i definitely like him as a character and the fact that we hear him narrating yeah, no, that I was going to mention that. Uh right? So th- does that imply or are we by we I mean you uh in the camp that you know anybody who narrates the story is writing in a journal ultimately? Is that the idea? I feel like they have to be uh, I feel like that I feel like they absolutely have to be yeah, in some no, way writing a journal. I agree. I just wanted to make sure that you were in the same in the same camp. Yeah, so, no, I, I I feel like that was a convention that was started really, really early in the story, and I, I said it last season on We're Not Dead that it's going to be a kick in the teeth when the rules change, and that's not actually the case. But, but for now, until for, then, for yeah. the here and now, it, it makes perfect sense. No, I, I hope so, because that means, you know, as we talked about, we both kind of like him as a character. That implies, anyway, that he'll be in the story for at least a while, and that also implies that, you know, if we hear anybody else's point of view, that they'll also be in the story and maybe Michael will help to kind of, you know, loosen up the camp a little bit. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I feel like there, there's actually, there is actually a legit cutoff as to where narration doesn't mean anything anymore. And it's right, the point where, where the story where, picks up um, out of the past, right? Right. It's where Tanya, when Tanya scanned the journals, if something happened after that point, I feel like that is a safe assumption that the person is alive and able to write. Because you could then, at that point, read everyone's journal up until the point where the tower was about to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then after that, that's new information, new stuff. That person is most likely alive. So, for instance, for those of you who are dying to find out what happened to Bert, we heard him narrate during the tower attack. Which, following these these rules of logic, means that he's alive. Most likely. Um, so... For all those that think Bert is alive, that's a nice piece of evidence to hold on to that you may be correct. And to cover all the bases in case somebody somehow forgot, they were in fact reading out of Kalani's journal. It's not that he's alive in the new season. That is correct. Uh, Puck tells Michael that uh, his friends are safe and Carl is watching out for them and Puck will be the first to know if something changes and he'll tell Michael. Uh, Irwin, uh, Puck tells him that Erwin was stocked with some equipment and munitions ahead of a training uh, cycle. And they were lucky that uh, people didn't show up because there was less miles to feed. Puck pulls out a sniper check. And Michael says how much he hated that in Iraq, which impresses Puck as he assumed Michael was a pansy paper pusher. Uh, Michael learns that Puck earned his position via blood stripes. They arrive at the command center. What does that mean? That just means, I I mean, I think I got it from what he explains. But that just means that he was on a mission where, where the person above him died. So he kind of like fills in the place. That is my understanding as well. Fort Irwin headquarters wasn't exactly what I expected. 
One of their command buildings had been changed into something like I'd seen in Iraq. Large monitors covered many areas, both with live video feeds of the base and maps that outline the west coast. Various soldiers, maybe about seven or eight, were at desks, some with phones and radios, others behind laptops. On the right side, enclosed in glass walls, was Colonel Kimmett's office. Large portions of it were covered with what looked like inventory reports and a large-scale map that spanned from Southern California to Montana. Uh, they arrive at the command center, and Michael says it is similar to what he saw in Iraq. There are video feeds uh, on some monitors and laptops and maps of the West Coast. Kimmett's office is located in a glass-enclosed office covered in inventory reports and a map that spans from Southern California to Montana. Another officer approaches, saying <clears throat> that Kimmett returned from Pantax earlier and is pissy, so be careful. Michael enters the office with Puck. And Kimmet asks about the physical, and also if Puck has, is uh, if he's up to date on his checkup, and he says yes. Kimmet I think gives, that was just you know him trying to get him out of the room, right? Like he didn't really want him to be there, so he was like, "Is your physical up to date?" And he was like, "Yes, sir." And he's like, "Ah, oh, damn it!" No, because he still had his paperwork to sign. I don't. I think it was just more of a. Oh, hey, by the way, now that I'm thinking of physicals, and I make everyone do this every X amount of weeks. When was the last time you had yours? Maybe. I think that was it. I don't think he was trying to actually shoo him away because he still had business to do with Puck in the room. If he had already signed the papers and then was trying to shoo him away, okay, yeah. And then if, I mean, he's a commanding officer. If he really wanted him to go away, it's like, uh, do you remember in A Few Good Men when Demi Moore doesn't catch the subtle hint? Like, um, why don't you go get some coffee? Oh, no, I'm fine. I mean, I, I've never seen that movie, but I agree. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, there, there's just the idea that if uh, a commanding officer doesn't want you in the room, they will order you to leave, and they will not make bones about it. I mean, the only thing that I could come up with that, you know, in, in defense of my theory, is that maybe he didn't want to come across as, like, a super hard-ass when he's, you know, introducing himself to Michael right away. Yeah, uh, maybe. But, you, you know, it's a stretch. Maybe you're probably right. I'm, I'm not so sure that uh, he came in would actually give two rats asses about what Michael actually thinks of him. Just maybe, and maybe that's just, you know, my stereotype of commanding officers in the military. But it's not like, you're not supposed, it's the same reason why Angel was a douche. You're not supposed to be liked, you're supposed to be respected. Problem was, Angel wasn't liked and he wasn't respected. <laughs> Wraith. No, it's not even Wraith, no, like, legitimately, no one in the tower except for, like, Riley liked him for a while. You know, and no one, that's, and the, no one that's respected probably the thing either. that I hate most about Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just that, that one, that one little know, personality if, flaw. If if Riley isn't straight and she's a lesbian, that's fine. If she is straight, just pick a different guy. Go with Datu. I'm fine with Datu. I'd rather have Datu than Angel. Hey, he is King Datu the Resourceful. I'm sure he'll figure out something very interesting. To, never mind. Um, <laughs> He's got other things. So, uh, Kimmy gives Michael and Puck their new uh, orders to sign. Michael wonders if it's necessary. Kimmett says yes, and Michael will receive back pay for time served from the time he arrived at his base at the beginning of the outbreak. He explains it's not really money, but exchange points he can use to get uh, stuff he needs with PX. Puck has signed his orders, but Michael is stalling, reading the fine print. Uh, go ahead and sign your new orders. And uh, Cross, uh, go ahead and fill in your social. Obviously, we didn't have it on file. You really need to read the fine print. I mean, it's just a standard set of orders. I can see that. Well, what's the holdup? You gonna sign or what? Kimmett asks him if he's going to sign the orders or not, and that is the and end. And then our, our, our exit music comes in, and Michael Swan's sultry voice plays us out. And says something about some dumb bitch, hoe, lady, Brittany. I'm kidding. Again, Brittany, love, you did a great job. Yeah, and actually, no, it sounded great. Honestly, all jokes aside, she fit right in. <laughs> she did, and I, I know that she... Well, I don't know. I really hope that she finds it amusing that I'm calling her all these horrible, mean, nasty names. I think she will. I don't know her very well personally, but I think she will. I think she will enjoy it because uh, she's actually probably dirtier than I am in general. Dirty hippie bum. Dirty hippie bum. I haven't showered <laughs> in four weeks and I have dreadlocks. Uh, what would you think of the episode? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it. Uh, I, I didn't think that I was going to like this this plot line as much as I like the Victor Saul CJ plotline. But it turns out I kind of, this this episode kind of brought them both on level for me. I like that this seems a lot like, uh, like uh, God, I'm blanking on the name. You know where Victor came from when they were all down there. What's that called? The Colony. The Colony, sorry. It seemed a lot like that at first, 
And I like that, at least as of now, it seems a little, you know, better and well run and less uh, dictator like. But yes, you never know. I'm excited to see where it goes. And I feel like the the place that Victor and Saul and CJ are at, uh, along with kind of where the Michael and uh, Fort Fort or Irwin plotline is, I like I like kind of the way that the stories are are going. Yeah, I'm <clears throat> the thing I really like, and I, I will admit I'm a sucker for exposition. I I, I like exposition, uh, just as a general rule of thumb, because I like having background information on stories. Um. The potential for information to be dumped on us from Fort Irwin is so massive. It's so great that I'm and really from, looking forward and to it. And from CJ, too. But I, I feel I feel like her information is going to be a little more limited, and it's going to be very ground central. Uh, ground central. Grants. What? That's not a place in this freaking story. Ground <laughs> zero. Ground zero. <laughs> Zeros for the amount of attention I'm apparently paying to the words that are coming out of my mouth. No, no it's uh, fine. ground zero information. Um, but I feel like Irwin's going, especially with like he mentioned that they were sitting near phones, which to me seems odd, unless it's like inner base communication. <laughs> well, you know, they had who, a lot of uh, monitors set up too, didn't they? Yeah, and like computer set up. Like, is there like internet structures, infrastructure still working? Is are they in communication with other bases? You know, there's a lot of things that could be happening at Fort Irwin that could give us a bigger scope of what's going on worldwide. And, you know, Puck does hint at the fact that, you know, you think you might be ready for what you're about to hear. You're really not. You yeah. don't understand the scope of what's happening here. I do because I know, but you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of information. No, I agree. I should have been a little clearer. I didn't particularly mean learning more about the zombie apocalypse, as I meant just like, us as fans being excited about learning more about what's going on in oh, in the real live world. Okay, I feel I'm like sorry. there's just as much potential for uh, us to learn from CJ. You know, okay. we could get a whole yes. other Kalani dump almost. Only you know, it wouldn't be particularly about Kalani, but it would be about CJ's tower. Right, and, and, and like we could get a whole other Fort Irwin dump, which mm. is just exciting to think about. Honestly, I really enjoyed the whole Kalani side story because of how much information was given to us. And I, I hope that, you know, at least in this season, I like, I know KC likes to, likes to spread it out a little bit. Uh, yeah. But I hope that we get to get to learn more information, you know, as, as rapidly as we did. Uh, yeah. soon. And of course the other part of that is, um, Casey has mentioned, or I think at some point that we may not get, we may eventually get all the answers, but we may not get them within the context of the actual program. Yeah. So we might get those tidbits of information that allow us to run rampant. Piece it all like, together. Right, right, right. Like, you know, we went rampant for a grand total of almost like two years, I guess, trying to figure out who was the rat. And, and if I recall, you and I both decided that it was Datu. Even though there was not a whole lot of information to base that guess off of. Oh, no. That was a wing and a prayer and a shot in the dark. And if we got it, we were going to look like gods. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately, we... Um, we, we were we, close. We... It, Kalani did his whole his whole shooting when Datu was waiting for him. That? We were that, closer than we could have been. That's like saying I won the World Series when I was sitting in the bleachers. That doesn't yeah. really work. No, come on. It's just get, you, you That's gotta, like saying you I won the World your, Series while I was sitting in the bleachers while I was watching the Red Sox win when I was cheering for, like, the Yankees. Yeah. That doesn't work. No, it's perfect. It's, it, there's no holes in this logic. So, uh, in regards to a sniper check, uh, Hellbringer, who is one of our um, military members on the forum, a sniper check uh, is when a person salutes another person in a combat zone or area of suspected... Uh, of having an aggressor looking to take out a high-ranking member. Usually it's out of fun, but it goes back to a time when young officers, instead of being saluted, even near the front lines of war, where the presence of an enemy, which is like an anemone, which is right. a sea-going creature, enemy sniper was high, but the young officer wouldn't think about that dangers and pointed to a leadership, uh, pointed to someone with a leadership position. Um, so that's what a sniper check was, and that's why Michael would immediately flip out was because someone does a sniper check, and that's not a good thing to do in a, into a uh, war zone area. Um, so there's that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of conversation on uh, the forum this week about um, basically a lot about the chapter artwork, which I don't know if you guys have been able to see it. 
uh, from the podcast you download because if you download it right when it was supposed when it comes out, you actually got a blank screen with just "We're Alive" and that was it. Yeah, um, I saw that. But the picture of this week's uh, chapter artwork is uh, a plane, a cargo plane, by the looks of it, flying away from what we presume is Michael because it looks pretty much like the Michael we all know and love uh, from behind. So it looks like Michael is either... There's two opinions going around. One is that he's being dropped off for a mission and he's going back to L.A. to get information. Or my personal feeling is that he's actually watching it take off while he's still at Florida. Why would they take a cargo plane? Like, Didn't they have helicopters? They did, but by the sound of it, from what um, Puck said when he first when they first arrived, was shut down. We don't like you know stop wasting the gas, so maybe they don't have the fuel for it. But that makes no sense because yeah, because they're I would imagine a that cargo plane. I'd imagine it's the same fuel, but or at you least know, similar, right? You could probably rig it up to work. I don't know. I know nothing about these things. I, I just have... speculate what could happen, and I feel like unless they have way more people at Fort Irwin. I want to say Fort Irwin. I don't know why. Fort Irwin. Use your vowels. Unless they have a lot more people there than, you know, has been implied so far, I don't know why you would take a cargo plane when you could, you know, a a helicopter is much more easy to navigate when you're trying to land it in a sea of zombies. It would would depend on what the mission focus was. If it was a mission focused on intelligence gathering, yeah, you'd probably want something a little quicker to get in and out. If it was something for, like, you legitimately want to go grab a bunch of cargo, then, yeah, you probably want the cargo plane because... I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, I see... Maybe if they're dropping him off, it wouldn't make much sense, so maybe they're leaving. The only reason I could see them leaving, and mind you, I haven't thought about this at all because I just learned about it now, uh, is that, one, they they have the map all mapped out, and, you know, I wouldn't say that we're assuming that they have an internet connection, but it's a possibility, right? Yeah. So so let's say let's say they have the internet connection, and they have the map out of where the virus has spread, and they leave to go make contact outside of where the zombie virus is. And now that Michael is there, he seems to be one of the highest-ranking officials on on the fort now. Maybe they leave him behind after you know after the the rest of the chapter kind of plays out, and they come to trust him a little more to kind of like watch the fort and make sure that it's all down. And then they go and do their thing and come back. Otherwise, the only other direction I could see it going is them leaving for some other unknown reason and not trusting Michael and not bringing them with him. And so then they leave and he's stuck kind of back at square one with hopefully his friends, but I don't know, maybe they kill him. I don't know. I don't like Hmm. the the point I'm trying to make after this long winded kind of, kind of uh, explanation that I've just come up with in my head is that I don't see them dropping him off for like a reconnaissance mission in a plane. And I, I, I take the that point with you. I don't agree that that's Michael being left behind on a mission. I believe that it's Michael being left at the base and that someone else is going on a mission in that plane away from Fort Irwin. That's sort of what I'm getting from it. I know he has a backpack on. I see that in the in the photo, in the image as well. Um, so that's a good sign, at least. That means that it's not like they left him with nothing. Yes. Um, at the very At the very, very least, that's, you know, Something to hang your hat on if you are a Michael Lutter. I mean, again, like I enjoy I enjoy this chapter part because I enjoy all the chapter parts. But we went from lots of action with Kalani and lots of action at uh, twenty three at Ground Zero to again slowing our roll and we are setting ourselves up for inf- an information dump. I mean, it so, definitely did slow down. Yeah, but the, it, was, I mean, it didn't not... come to a crawl. Like it wasn't it wasn't like nothing new happened. Like they made it into the base. It was good to kind of learn a little more about you know, kind of the workings of the fort, even though we don't have any fresh information, we kind of have a lot of, you know, information that doesn't seem immediately useful. But, you know, we've kind of learned that at least on the surface, it's not the dictatorship that the colony was. And even though there was that sort of snide line about, you know, maybe you won't have to learn this because you're not going to be here very long, implied, uh, you know, after that, they were talking and, and I believe Puck said, I wouldn't worry about your friends except for the two that are kind of in the in the yeah, crazy it, ward. Everybody yeah, else the, seems the like they'll be fine. The one sans lasers or whatever the hell they called it. I think I could be wrong. I think what they were trying to say is that uh, they're laceless because they take their shoes so that they can't right. go suicidal. So they can't hang right? themselves with their shoelaces. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm really sorry again. Uh, I'm trying to find it, but I'm also losing my internet connection as per always when I record this podcast. Uh, I'm trying to find the person who said um, there's this really weird tension between optimism and absolute foreboding in this episode. There like, is because I think it has a lot to do with musical cues. As I was listening yeah. to it for the second time, like they say a lot of things that I would personally have construed as like a negative comment. And then like the piano picks up in like a very cheerful way. And I'm like, right. Casey, why are you toying with my emotions here? Yeah. And, and you, you realize he did the same sort of thing with the colony too, except it went in reverse. The, the words were really positive, uh, but the music was not. But that's Except, like a, that's a more common thing to do right. in entertainment, right? That's like they say something and well, then they're depends. kind of like helping you foreshadow that it that it's a lie or that it's you know stretched truth. But when it's the other way around, I don't know that that ever really happens. It's I can't think of an example right now, um, but it, it it's hard. It's it's really hard to say. But I definitely agree. And I again, I'm really really sorry. Whoever posted this, this is your thought. This is not mine. I am piggybacking off of your thought, and I'm stealing it at the moment, and I can't give you credit. Um, but it's a really, really, it's very, very true. There's a really weird tension within, with, despite the fact, really, aside from Tanya, nothing really happens in this episode. He doesn't even sign the freaking paper. Yeah. That's how much nothing happens in this episode. And the way they leave it, it almost sounds like he, he's not going to, which actually could kind of flow into the whole leaving, leaving the base now that they have somebody that they can't trust there. I don't know. Quite possibly. I, I mean... I, Michael likes to bargain for things, from my understanding. Yeah, so he maybe really, he says, "I'll sign it if right." And then, right, except and then he's the not going to be able, too large of an if. Th- there is no if for this. There, I, I cannot see how he can negotiate anything into this. It's an active duty order coming from a superior officer, and he is in the military. He has the ID proving that he's military. He has to fall in line, otherwise he's considered a wall. Well, I guess not really absence without leave. He's just defying orders which is just as bad. I suppose. Yeah, I agree. There is no if unless uh who's the who's the main leader's name? I can't remember it. Colonel Kimmett. Yeah, unless he says that uh you know, unless he allows there to be an if. There's no if. Oh, there there is no pos- there's no way in hell because if he gives Michael an if, like this is the, giving him an if would be something that um uh Marcus would do at the colony because he's not really military. He just pretended he was military. Um, you know what I mean? So like he, he would give an if he would be able, he would allow conditions and he did, uh, he allowed Michael, he allowed Michael to get conditions. And I feel like you're going to see that juxtaposed to Kimmet where Michael tried to get things out of Marcus. Like, I want to, I want to look around first. I want to go talk to Victor. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to see pegs. I want to hit this dude in the face with a shovel and not get in trouble. Um, you know, shovel trouble. He might (laughs) shovel trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> will that be will the shoveling be enough sir um i love please, that line please sir may i have another <laughs> clang um <laughs> no i think you're right i mean i, I really don't think kim is going to be able to... i want there to be an if but i agree ultimately uh, your argument holds a lot of water it makes sense that that you know they wouldn't allow an if especially under the sort of uh military order that seems to be ensuing yeah not to mention like they they're doing as far as we can tell, they're doing just fine without Michael being there. Uh, as opposed to the colony where they were about to fall apart at the seams because Sean was gone and Michael can fill that role. Uh, Irwin doesn't need Michael to survive. Like, they, they will be fine if he decides not to sign the paper. They throw yeah. him into jail. That's the end of it. Michael rots away until this is over. They just leave him somewhere from a plane bay <laughs> with a backpack. There you go. We've now argued ourselves into a circle away from the point that we both believe. And I think that is about as awkward as we can end this. Um, Congratulations. You've listened to a pointless pointless argument that neither of us fully agree upon. Yeah, that sounds accurate. I think this is pretty much how this podcast tends to go. I mean, it's hard. It's hard because you don't really have anything to go off of other than what you have in case he likes to leave everything open-ended so that you can speculate. And then we just make ourselves look like idiots. And it's the best. Oh yeah, that's, that's the that is part of the entire fun of doing my prediction blog is man, and the best part, the really honestly, the best part is when uh, I either get a, a private message on the forum from Casey, or I, he comments on it and he just says, "Hmm, that's interesting." It's like, ah, you bastard! I hate that you know what's gonna happen. Uh, 
So, Mr. Goody, I think that covers it, unless there's something that uh, we did not cover you want to cover. I mean, I think we covered everything. The one thing that I had wanted to mention that we kind of covered pretty well, but, you know, I never I never came out and said it, was that I, I'm optimistic about Fort Irwin because they're not quite as uh, diplomatic with their answers as I feel like as I feel like the uh, the colony was right they kind of always gave an answer that could be construed as a positive but never completely lied and I feel like the fort is doing a better job of kind of giving straight answers whether or not they're Mm -hmm. completely true is yet to be determined but it seems as though they're kind of coming across as more honest and a little better run. So I'm optimistic about that. That was the only thing that I kind of wanted to throw in there about the fort. And I feel like we covered that pretty well anyway. Yeah. Um, did we cover, uh, what our thoughts of about the ominous, uh, puck sentence? I don't remember if we did or not. Uh, we, you know, we definitely went over it. I and mean, if you want to throw in your two cents, go for it. Nah, I think we should just say edit here and hope the bees takes it out and makes us not look stupid. <laughs> edit. 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 Ah. Uh, um, I, I get the horrible distinct feeling that he just added a snide remark behind us and we're not going to be able to tell until it's released. I don't think he has anything against me personally. I don't know that I've done anything to him to make him hate me, but I may be incorrect with that. Maybe he'll put in fart noises after I speak every time. Nope. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> I guess there is. All right. Give him the ammunition uh, now. Perfect, and not to mention we uh, we we've handed him over the audio files, so therefore he has every chance in the world to make us look stupid. Uh, Goody, where can people find you on the interwebs? You want to give out a Twitter handle or anything to that like, or plug anything you do? I would absolutely love to give out a Twitter handle. Uh, it's at it's all Goody. Uh, it's all spelled like you spell the word it's and all. Goody is spelled with an I E, not a Y. Otherwise, you will not find me. Uh, we also. <laughs> By we, I mean uh, me and a couple of the other admins from the forum uh, have our own podcast, and I'll plug that in there. Uh, Wraith is on there. We have Obamacat on there, and Adrian is on there. We do a semi-weekly podcast. It's been off a little bit recently only because uh, we've had we've had some issues uh, figuring out exactly how we want to you know organize it as well as uh, Adrian does our editing, and he's been super busy lately. So we're getting back on track, but that's called Broforce because we're bros and because Broforce is a super epic name. Uh, and you can find it on the iTunes store. You can also find it on Adrian's website, which I believe is finalsmash.com. And we just kind of shoot the shit and talk about what happened uh, during the week amongst us and in the world, and we try not to make a complete ass out of ourselves. Uh, all right. So thank you, Goody, for coming no, on. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Bees, for editing us at Beesball. Thank you, Britt, for being a Skanky host and doing a wonderful job. Um, we're alive as the nurse. Congratulations to that. Sorry you weren't here to uh, talk about yourself on the podcast today, because I'm sure you would have loved to have done that. And it would have been cool to hear how it came about and where you recorded it and did you do it when you were in L.A. and all that other good stuff. Follow the podcast at We're Not Dead. Follow the actual podcast at We're Live. You can follow me at Nick Voodoo, N-I-K-V-O-O-D-O-O. Uh, I think that's enough plugging. Screw that nonsense. Uh, thanks for listening. We're done. And we're out. And we're out. <laughs>